FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello, welcome back to FIS Castaway. I've got Kerry with me in the office here in London and Tom all the way from Singapore. Hello guys, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. Not too bad, thank you. So a little overview of the news that we've had this week. Donald Trump agreed that he might not have won the election, but is still not conceding. (laughs) What a shock. (laughs) Some US states tightened coronavirus restrictions to fight growing second wave of the virus. Peru elected Francisco Sagasti as its new president and the third leader in a week. Uh, Russia announced that it's going to build a new naval base in Sudan. EU's budget and recovery plan package has been held up by uh, Eastern Bloc nations. Uh, Japan's economy rebounded 5% in Q3. Aid Donald Cummings was sacked by the British Prime Minister. Scotland qualified for their first international football championship since 1998. And we have some special news this morning. FIS Live has been awarded Innovation of the Year at the Energy Risk Asia Awards. So congratulations to all the development team here at FIS for that. And Kerry, you've got to say something on that. Well, indeed. We've mentioned the app a few times on this podcast in the the past. uh, And uh, it's nice to see the work of everyone here at FIS who uh, put in their time and effort on developing the app rewarded. If you do want to sign up for our now award-winning app, then uh, it's very, very easy to do. Simply go to FreightInvestorServices.com forward slash FIS Live. And you can register there for a three-month trial of the most innovative app this year, according to Energy Risk Magazine in their Asia Awards. Brilliant. Great stuff from uh, the team there. Right. Let's dive into our indexes and see where we've been week on week. So this is Tuesday the 10th versus Tuesday the 17th for indexes. In terms of oil and products, Brent, we've seen, if you look at it week to week, basically flat, up 0.32%, 43.61 to 43.75 yesterday. Sing 380 is up 3.99% to 282.37. Uh, the Rotterdam 3.5% was down 2.47%, 2.47 quarter close yesterday. The Sing 0.5 up 1.5%, 3.44 closing. Rock 0.5%, 313.75 was yesterday's mark, down 1.49% week on week. And for those interested on the, the high fives, the, all the scrubber spread, uh, we've been down 8.3% uh, on the Sing, uh, which is 67.26 to 61.66. And Rotterdam high five was 65, moving to 66.50 yesterday, up 2.31%. Kerry, what about the freight? Well, the Cape 5 TC average is at $12,029 yesterday. Uh, That's down $1,350 or 10% during the course of the week. The Panamax 4 TC average was $9,928 yesterday. That is up $776 or 8.5% on the week. So what about iron ore? Uh, Iron ore, relatively stable week in the grand scheme of things for iron ore this year. So the Metal Bulletin 65 index uh, was $134.80, now $138.15, so up 2.5%, and 62% was $123.30, now $126.15, so a move up of 2.3%. Thank you. And to finish off the indexes, we look at some tankers, which good news across the board for tankers up all routes. TT2 is up 2.8% up to 75.28. TT5 up 17.9% up to 80.71. 
and T3C up 0.62% to 25.83. TD25 up 28.8% from 48.54 to 62.5. Excellent. Cool. Let's dive into some of those markets and why it's been moving. What's been the movers and shakers? What interesting things have we found out? Tom, why don't we start with you on the iron ore? Yeah, uh, so on the iron ore this week, as I said, uh, a bit more stable in terms of price action this week. Um, But broadly, prices seem to be pretty well supported. Um, So in terms of what we've been looking at with regards, um, uh, Brazil's iron ore total delivery was... uh, at tw- just under 26 million tonnes uh, this week, uh, up 4.5 million tonnes. Uh, and Australian iron ore delivery was up eight, uh, was up uh, 2.4 million tonnes uh, to 18.35 million tonnes. So strong deliveries into uh, China this week uh, from its two main uh, suppliers. On the um, other side, on the sort of steel side of things, um, we've seen... Uh, as we've talked about, some Tangshan mills being shuttered still uh, for pollution reasons. Um, but what we have seen uh, is that continued story, really, of that Chinese recovery started to flow through in some uh, some more positive figures uh, that have been released in the last week. So the Q1, Q2, Q3, so Jan through Oct, uh, China housing investment has increased 6.3% year on year. And as we've talked about, uh, quite a lot in in this podcast that does really make up quite a large amount of the steel demand in China. So that, that is an encouraging sign. Um, in terms of uh, the sort of drawdown on steel inventory, uh, we said last week that whilst it was starting to to or there was some drawdown in in line with sort of seasonal trends, it does appear that there is some pace gathering to that. Uh, to that drawdown, although I don't think anyone would say that it was sort of beyond the sort of seasonal changes that we would expect to see at the moment. Um, So that's sort of the broad story of the week. Um, Not not a massive week in terms of of crazy moves like we've been used to uh, in iron ore of late relative to last week, broadly speaking, quite calm. With regards to the coking coal that we started talking about, it's still quite interesting what's going on there. Um, obviously, the other major component towards steel creation, um, the the Asian tension, sorry, the Australia uh, China tensions are still bubbling away. Um, still nothing formal in writing um, with regards to the import ban. Um, however, you know. That, that is definitely having an impact on uh, the Australian uh, spot cargoes for, for coal. So China has definitely started to diversify away from non-Australian cargoes. And we're, we're seeing um, or we're hearing in the market that there's now an increase uh, of Russian cargoes being used um, due to their lower sulfur content um, and Canadian, Canadian coke and coal being used as well. So that is definitely having an, an impact on the coal market. They are still saying for now that iron ore will be kept well away from any increase in tension. I think we've sort of mentioned before that no one could really, neither neither party there could do without the other. Uh, it, you know, they are mutually dependent, um, but 
it is still bubbling away and definitely starting to impact the uh, the coal markets. I don't know if that's reflected in the freight markets at the moment, uh, Kerry, with some increased action uh, on, on the sort of Canadian routes, um, if that's having any impact. But uh, but that's really the story for week on, on those two products. Uh, it is indeed reflected in the freight markets, although probably not in the positive sense that you're assuming about the, uh, the increase in, in Canadian exports. Uh, at least not enough to offset for the big ships. Uh, the dry FFAs are a tale of two markets this week. The big ships dropping, but the Panmax is pushing north. The Cape size continues its very steady fall of the past few weeks. Uh, it's driven by a quieter period of activity from Brazil and Australia on the iron ore exports, but really primarily by the lower Australian coal exports to China in response to this unofficial ban. This has created a bit of a perfect storm, and while we normally expect the capes to be seasonally weak, I would say, headed into the Q1, they've fallen certainly sharper and faster this year than we would have expected um, even a few weeks ago. The key factor here is that coal, as I say, and to put that drop in coal shipments to China in perspective, according to IHS market commodities at sea figures, coal imports of all types to China fell 44% year on year in the month of October. So uh, <clears throat> very, very striking there. And, uh, and that's from all sources, including the increase we're seeing, for example, from Mongolia as well by rail. So uh, hitting in particular the capes quite hard there. Um, in any case, we saw the physical continue to slide on the capes. Uh, and despite more Pacific activity uh, with some fresh C5 West Aussie China iron ore cargoes coming out, those are still being fixed between $6.50 and $6.60. While C3 out of Brazil to China has remained very quiet, with one fixture reported yesterday at the equivalent of, let's say, mid-high 13s on the C3. Um, the paper has reflected this slide largely, uh, slowing perhaps in the last day or two and even bouncing back a bit today with that December contract trading in region 13,000 this morning. Uh, that's about $1,200 down on the week with a back end as usual, a good bit steadier, that Cal 21 trading 12.925 this morning, according to FIS Live. That's as against about 13.1 a week ago at this time. One factor that I think is worth watching in addition to the potential for increased Canadian coal exports and US coal exports, which would largely benefit the Panamax market, and I'll get to that in a minute, uh, is that coal cargo out of South Africa to China does seem to be increasing. And if that continues, that would potentially increase a bit the ton mileage for those cargoes uh, that China does need to import versus taking it out of East Coast Australia. So let's watch that space to see if that's a trend that continues. Um, might be one sort of slight bit of uh, slight ray of sunshine in, in what's otherwise a very dark week for the Capes. The Panamaxes, on the other hand, have found very decent support. The Atlantic cargo list mainly front hauls again off the back of those coal exports coming out of East Coast U.S. and, uh, and Canada, um, with a good amount of grain still coming out of the U.S. Gulf. Uh, East Coast South America has been rather steady as well, and the Pacific has suddenly gotten a good bit firmer. This is actually on the back of Aussie coal exports to essentially Asia x China. A lot of those cargoes going now to Korea, to India, to Vietnam, uh, and some grain and iron ore going as well. That has helped the Panamax paper gain ground with the December contract trading 10.675 this morning, about 1100 bucks up on the trade levels last Wednesday with the Cal 21 contracts trading 10.050 this morning, again, up about $500 on where it was trading this time last week. 
So in overview, Q1 not looking as good as it probably would usually be. I would say at the moment for the Cape, so let's put it this way, we're starting from a lower point. We've, yeah. I mean, we've fallen more swiftly than we would normally expect at this time of year. November's never seasonally a great month for the Cape, but you know this, this extreme drop of the past few weeks with just these continuous week-on-week falls has been... Uh, has been more than we expected, and that's again largely down to that uh, that cold situation. Yes, you had uh, people looking at it two months ago might go, "Oh, we might get a bit of an end of year recovery." And everything else exactly. doesn't seem to have come about at all. No, no, exactly. You know, for all the optimism, it's it's the capes are always volatile, but again, it's worth thinking back that we were trading in the high twenty thousands. You know, on the spot market and on the paper futures uh, only three four weeks ago. Uh, with people talking about a very strong finish to the year, and and that's yeah, that's dissipated quite a bit. Well, so we've shif- shifted our sentiment to Q two. <clears throat> we have, we have, and you know, again, events that can't really be predicted all the time. Um, you know, the geopolitics getting involved here. I would say we so, have a huge geopolitical change when the uh, Biden administration gets its teeth into actually being able to change things at the start of next year. Well, exactly, and that's something that we discussed last week to definitely watch out for. So, thank you, guys. Right in terms of oil and products. Um, Despite what you've seen, well, despite what we reported in terms of the index week on week uh, looking fairly flat, it has actually been quite a movable week. Just it's moved up, then down, and then up and down again. So we, we moved up above $44 on Brent, down below 43 up above 44 again, below 43 again, and then this morning pushed up against 44 again. So it has been moving, but if you took those two points, it doesn't look like it's done anything at all. But products uh, related to the oil have generally followed that trend of crude. The FOGOs, which is the difference between uh, 0.5% fuel, the very low sulfur fuel oil, and the respective gas oils, has weakened into the end of last week, but then again strengthened uh, into today. So we were at minus 19, we went to minus 22.5, and we're up to minus 15.75 this morning. Wow. High fives have also been rising. So what we're seeing is if you picture high sulfur fuel oil at the bottom, uh, which is the cheaper fuel of grade, greater fuel and then you have 0.5% and then above that gas oil. What we've seen if you think about it is that the 0.5% has moved closer relative to the gas oil and that the high sulfur has actually moved lower away from both the others. So hence the widening of the high five between the bottom two ones and then a a kind of narrowing of the the FOGO which is between the top two. So that's what we've generally seen in the start of, of this week. To pick up some uh, other people's points, the VTOL CEO says that he sees oil prices heading towards 50. So we've moved up from 42 to 44. So he looks right at the moment. Yeah. Um, by the end of the year, next few months, we shall see what happens there. We're, we've got the EIA being reported later today to see what's happening in the US and their stocks. So we'll be able to report what happens uh, on the next podcast. Um, OPEC, big discussions happening there in terms of do we now cut more? Do we delay? There was whole discussions and news being leaked by Russia going, actually, we, we should reinstate some of the, the the quota cuts that we had. or So or a whole mess of news and things which are going on there, whispers there and everything else. So do keep an eye on what IPEC is saying, what's coming out of, of those meetings. It does look that if the cuts of 7.7 million barrels per day will continue into 2021 okay. uh, on current sentiment. So... They were obviously going to try and relax those as they went to the year. Everything came back. Same kind of positive sentiment. They thought yeah. the end of the year is going to be okay, but it does look like that's now going to roll into 2021. A big thorn in the side, I guess, of OPEC is Libya, which has now come back online, where they had their ceasefire. They're now restarting production. That gives another 1 million barrels a day, just over 1 million barrels a day, extra produ- production being put into the market. And 
if you're talking of production cuts, that does not help things the situation. So, you know, somewhat of a, a handbrake on on the recovery of oil at the moment. So some of the things that we're seeing, a lot of it is news emerging rather than anything that we've seen yet. But you can see those general trends that we, in terms of the FOGO, we had September where it just was one line up uh, and strengthening. We, we had a, a tracement of that and we've, we've continued on to the, the strengthening again and the high five widening. Uh, so if you are a scrubbed vessel, you might be happier than you were a couple of weeks ago. Interesting, interesting. Some of those owners smiling, exactly, that invested the money in those scrubbers. Yeah. <laughs> after, <laughs> For the first time in a while, perhaps. After so, months yeah, of, uh, Exactly. That might not have been the best idea. But uh, yeah, some little bits as well into one of our other products. We've got fertilizers. So India having another tender. It seems they always have lots of of those coming in. But there's a 8.7 billion US dollar fertilizer subsidy coming in. Uh, and this has helped urea markets continue to firm the past week in anticipation of this tender. The finance minister announced uh, a new, the new fertiliser subsidy, uh, which removed any doubts about um, financing for, for the upcoming tender. So that's really helped in terms of sentiment. Uh, and this has also been seen in the paper. AG Futures has found new traction uh, in the mid 260s, uh, last trading 264 for 5th December, up 10 bucks uh, on last two weeks. Egypt Futures has also firmed significantly. Uh, back of fiscal business trading to the low 240s at the start of, of the week uh, and all the way up to 268 for Egypt for January tenure uh, shipments this week. Uh, fiscal business uh, in the market to be traders covering previous position in forward sales into Europe spurned by this sentiment around the India that we were talking about. And as a result, uh, those December futures for Egypt have, have traded into the high 270s and we've seen values in Q1 firm up to the 260s. Nola Urea has also followed this um, this trend. Strong domestic fundamentals uh, continued up uh, from the beginning of last week, uh, now trading at 250s for Q1. Uh, and bullish sentiment has been driven by a few factors, which has included the Indian tender uh, interior demand for the US, driven by strong uh, grain economics as well. Uh, we've seen that generally as the, the, the urea moving up, firmer urea prices, Nola uh, yuan futures prices have started to rally as well, trading at new highs, January 135, Feb 140, and March 144. Um, Kerry, you've got something on the air freight. Indeed, indeed. Oh, it struck me when you were talking about the uh, the forecast of oil going back up to $50 um, by the end of the year, that this is incredibly bad news for airlines, probably, who are already suffering, uh, given the ongoing travel, yeah. travel restrictions. But... but uh, that also reminded me of some very exciting news on the uh, AFFA market, which is that the Baltic Exchange has launched weekly air freight indices. Uh, it's partnered with the well-established Hong Kong-based air cargo pricing publisher, TAC Index, um, to launch the Baltic Air Freight Index, the BAI, powered by TAC data. That, that will come under the governance of the Baltic Exchange Information Services Limited. And uh, basically, this will bring to a much larger audience uh, the air freight indices that we've been discussing for many months on this podcast. Um, these are priced in US dollar per kilo, and they reflect transacted rates from key hubs like London, Frankfurt, Hong Kong, Chicago, Shanghai, and Singapore to the main import regions globally. Um, and so we will discuss this in a little more depth next week, but I think it's a very exciting announcement that uh, the Baltic has launched these weekly indices. Yeah, exactly. And us as FIS pushing for, for new markets. and that Exactly. Being... It's something we've been working on for some time. Uh, closely with the Baltic Exchange and uh, something that uh, we have an established presence in 
having done the first OTC AFFA back in 2019. Ooh, so. I guess if you wanted any more information on that, obviously contact your good self, Kerry, or Peter Stellion on our air desk. Exactly. Ooh, any final points in the news or interesting things that we've got on any of the products before we finish for this week? I think that's it for me, Chris. Toby's all done. Tom, what about yourself? All from me, I think, guys. All done. All right. Well, we've had our updates on our main markets. Maybe next week we'll have a Donald Trump conceding. Who knows where we will be <laughs> next week. But uh, do join us again. Anything can happen. Get us our updates on our main markets. We'll obviously have our in-depth feature a bit more on the F rates and those new indexes coming in. Uh, we will be keeping an eye on what's happening on the iron ore, those steel levels, and in terms of OPEC and Libya production on oil. See where we're going with the relative products in respect of that. But thank you, Kerry. Thank you, Tom. And everyone listening, join us next week.